Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Weekends were made for sports. Now do the robot voice. I want to hear it again. Meet more sharp robot. That's a terrible robot voice. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Where are the turtles? Where are the turtles? Come on, guys, get out of here. Where are the turtles? And Rashad Taylor. Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. On 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Sports Sunday. Mike Rashad, Jesse with you till 11 o'clock. Remember, you can find the show if you missed any of it on the Les Schwab Tires podcast on radio.com at 1080thefan.com. And you can text us at the Better You Today text line at 55305. Um, let's uh, continue with the NBA final stuff here. Sorry, I lost my place. I was looking up at the screen. The... Uh, the rest of this series is going to be very interesting after game one, because I think a lot of people are expecting the Warriors to just say, well, we'll figure it out. We'll do it. Game two, they'll win by 20. All of a sudden, the series goes back to Oakland and all is fine in the world. However, I don't think that's going to happen this time, even though it feels the right, the right thing to say because of Toronto's defense like you're talking about. Toronto's defense... <clears throat> I don't know if I've seen an NBA defense like Toronto's defense in a very, very long time. It's so active and long that even if they're out of position, they're in position because they've just got guys everywhere that's that suffocate shots and watching game one Curry and Thompson didn't have many open looks and they're actually usually pretty good with contested threes. They were not good on contested threes that they took in this in, in game one so far against the Raptors because their defense is just that suffocating. And you were saying it in the break, but the, they haven't looked seen anybody in the playoffs yet who's had a defense like this. No, and to Maybe be honest, the Clippers is the closest because they actually have a solid defense. And but. the Clippers because they have a, a a gritty guy like Patrick Beverly who you know steps in as your leader. But you know you had a lot of guys that just really wanted to win and wanted to do whatever it took uh, to win that game. Or if you're the Clippers, they haven't seen anything like Toronto. Houston is not Toronto as far as their defense. They're, 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 Houston's not a defensive team. The Blazers played. Were, they played better defense than we're used to seeing them play, but they still were able to allow those big runs, which means there's a collapse on defense somewhere when you allow runs to happen that includes 17, 18 points. Listen to these numbers, though. This is you know courtesy of ESPN. These are uh, Toronto's defensive stats. Um, they allow 100 points per game for this for the postseason. Postseason. Okay. They allow 100 points per game. That's the best in the NBA. That's the best in the postseason. 34. Uh, field goals made. That's also the best in the fourth in the um, postseason. 
Um, 83 field goals uh, attempted. That's second in the postseason, only behind the Indiana Pacers, who were out in the first round. Um, They allow their opponents to shoot uh, 41%. That is second in the playoffs, only behind uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. Three-point percentage, field goal percentage, everything you can think of, Toronto is either one or number two. They are the very best in the NBA at playing defense. And you got a bunch of dudes that are six foot seven and six foot eight that know how to get in your face, that know how to use their long arms. A lot of the things they try to do for Golden State, those, you know, passes across the uh, across the middle of the lane to an open guy doing, you know, for a layup, that wasn't happening. You know, a lot of those, like you said, open shots that Steph and Clay usually get, or even those concept those contested shots that they typically knock down, no problem. That was a problem. And then you got somebody like Serge Ibaka coming off the bench for you, who, again, a great defensive play, uh, presence. Somebody who's played in the finals and they kind of forget about that. Serge Ibaka is, I think, the lost person from that OKC squad. You know, you talk about Harden and and uh, Durant, obviously, and Westbrook, but we kind of forget that Serge Ibaka was a huge, huge part of what they were able to do. I just think you got a team. Marcus All has been good forever, and he's just never got his opportunity to to show how great he was. It almost kind of reminds me of when Powell left. Didn't the, the Grizzlies make the Western Conference Finals with him? Once? They did. They yeah, did. You twice. know, they, they got there a couple times. But, you know, Powell, or excuse me, Mark kind of reminds me of Powell in the sense that he needed to leave that team to go and do something great. And now you're in a situation where if Boogie can't play, Mark Gasol goes crazy on you on on uh, Golden State. And well, so Bo- Boogie tried to play and looked terrible. No, he tried. And, so. you know, and that's exactly what Toronto should have done. They went right at him. They're going to make him make a play. Uh, Kyle Lowry stepped in and took a big charge from Boogie. That put him back on the bench. You know, there was a lot of shots that he could have taken that, you know, they basically dared him to. He played eight minutes. He had three points. All of them were free throws, two steals, two assists, and two fouls, and a turnover. I mean, that's terrible. That's really, really It's not great for a band, but you got to – It seems like he came back way too soon, or it was just out of shape because of the fact that he was hurt. He wants to play in the finals. I'm not mad at him. He rushed himself back. Like, Kevin Durant is probably going to rush himself back. Let's go ahead and say that Toronto takes tonight's game. You know, it's a close game for whatever reason, and then they go ahead and win. Kevin Durant's going to play in game three. He has to. At home, that he's going to play. Even if he's not ready to go, he's not fully – He's going to play because why I need to play in the NBA Finals. This is my opportunity to win a championship. So I'm not mad at Boogie for coming back, you know, especially having missed as much basketball as he actually has missed over the past, you know, year and a half or whatever. But, like, I'm looking at this Toronto team saying, why not them? You know, and it makes me mad because I'm looking at their colors and I'm like, damn it, that could have been us. <laughs> oh, that could have been the Blazers. I look at those red and black jerseys and those black and reds and go, man, dang it, man, look at the fans outside. How's that not Portland? How's that? How's that not us? We played like, the Warriors. I, I, we played the Warriors, but I think if they if they had Toronto's defense, things would have been much different. But nobody has Toronto's defense, and that's the reason I think they're going to win. The other thing about the Durant stuff is last series and kind of throughout the whole playoffs since he hurt his calf, there was this thought that maybe not that the Warriors were better without him because that just doesn't make any sense. Durant's the best player in the NBA, so no one's better without Kevin Durant. Yeah they were fine without him and they were more fun to watch and more fluid without him because they could go back to the old warriors where they just passed a ton and were always moving. Whereas Durant leads to a lot of isolation play because he's well, Kevin Durant. Um, but I think what you're seeing in this, in game one of this series, and I think you'll probably see tonight in some way, shape or form is the warriors against a good defensive team without Durant right now, the way they're built, don't have a lot of options to score outside mm-hmm. of Curry and Thompson. Iguodala's inconsistent. Draymond's inconsistent. 
Um, whoever you're playing at center, inconsistent. Your bench is kind of awful. Um, you got some guys who can hit shots here and there, but you really trust Jonas Jerebko and Quinn Cook. And... They, they become the Blazers. Right. I mean, they become really backcourt heavy. You hope that your stars are going to, you know, do something great for you. And then everyone else it just comes, uh, we'll see. You know, you think you're going to get something from Draymond, who I guess you could kind of consider what canter of this season or something like that. But if you're comparing them directly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I suppose sure. that's the probably the closest comparison you make at this point. But yeah, it, it, it changes everything that that they do without Kevin Durant right now, especially playing this longer, really athletic right. it team. Didn't, it didn't matter up until this point because you were playing two teams that don't have great defenses in the Rockets and the War or in the Blazers. So it, you didn't really notice it. I mean, the Blazers for two games let Seth – or I keep saying Seth in my head. Steph Curry take wide open three after wide open We're thinking three. about you, Seth. Go ahead and stay. He's not staying. Um, <laughs> Sports, <laughs> Sports Sunday loves you, Seth. There were reports that he was unhappy here because he didn't get playing time. Yeah, I heard. So, well, he, he gone. He gone. Um, I mean, he was having wide open three. Steph was the first half of that Blazer series before they finally started to double and triple team him on some of those pick and rolls. He's not seeing that anymore, at least early on. Remember, it's just one game, but it still feels like a lot happened in that one game. And if you don't have Durant, then it's just on those two guys, and hopefully Draymond has a great game to kind of get you that win. But on the flip side, I'm not sure if you're going to get that same Pascal Siakam performance from, from the Raptors again. He's been really good this year, but that was his like best game of his career yeah. in game one. I'm not sure you're going to get Gasol to get 20 points again because his three-pointer has been inconsistent. Now, his size is going to be a huge problem for the Warriors because they don't really have anybody outside of Boogie Cousins and I guess Bogut, who didn't even play, who could really kind of body up Marc Gasol. Um, I'm not sure you're going to see Van Vliet get 15 points off the bench again, right? Van Vliet's been awesome for them for the past, like, five games, though. I think he has the highest three-point percentage in the league since, like, his game four – or, excuse me, the playoffs since, like, the game four of the uh, – for – against Milwaukee, but, but no, again, I, you, I agree. But you might not see Danny Green miss four of his threes, too. He might get hot. So I, I think a lot could could change in today's game. But with the Durant thing, my whole point is you need him back, I think, in this type of a series because of his length, his ability to shoot over length. He takes some of the toughest shots against great defenders, and it gives you that third option for the Warriors to actually get some scoring, which is so strange to say, but – it looked like after game one, they're going to need that other option way more than we thought they would. No, absolutely they will. And they're going to need somebody to to uh, step in defensively. they got to figure something out for Kawhi because you know it's going to happen. He didn't play well in game one, but his team is that good to where he didn't need to play great. The one thing I love about Kawhi is he he plays at his own pace. He doesn't rest himself. Doesn't rest himself. He's not trying to, you know, push it any more than he has to. Even the game winner he had against Philadelphia, it seemed like the slowest dribble to, to his spot in the corner before he actually released the shot. But he plays within himself, and though he didn't have, shooting-wise, he didn't have a great game. He still ended up with 23. It was plus 11, seven, uh, seven or Hit season, eight rebounds. down the stretch. Huge threes down the stretch, five assists. You know, he Kawhi is just offensively an issue. And is, is it weird that all of a sudden, after I said that he moves like Jordan, like that's become a thing? And Doc Rivers gets fined for saying that, he reminds him of Jordan. Like he got fined for saying that he's a good player. That's that's the that's the dumbest thing in the world. I'm sorry, Doc. Man, we stand with you. If I had money, I would help pay. You're fine because that well, right him. there. The Clippers got fined. For that's it. silly. That's silly. That'll help. Well, I'm not gonna help play the Clippers. He's a billionaire. But. It is. It is a very strange. <laughs> I plead the fifth. I, I, uh, I understand why, because the Clippers are one of the main targets for him. 
and he's out here praising him on TV, which I guess could be construed as, hey, Kawhi, look, I love you. I'm praising you. Come play for us. But that's weird because he never said, man, you, you know, you want a player like that, and you would hope they'd get a guy like that, and we're looking to have a conversation with him this summer. He said, no, he reminds me of, of Jordan. He said that's he was what, a great player. And, yeah, he basically said he was a great player, and I don't even think he said he was a great player. He just said, no, man, no, he, he rem- did. did he? I read the quotes. He, okay. he did compare him to Jordan, but he's like, that's not fair. I don't like naming greats because there's so many greats. And Kawhi Leonard is one of the great players. That's what so he's, when you that's ask, so, what he so said. when Kevin Durant goes off on you for forty, and you have you ask the coach, you know, what did Kevin Durant do? And just man, he's just a great player. You know, he's just there, the, there's a difference between. I'm playing devil's advocate mostly here because I agree that it's stupid, but there's a difference between going on TV in the off season when you're out and doing it and answering a question posed to you as a coach after you played that team, but it is stupid because it's. I mean, come on. He went on to TV to analyze the game. He didn't talk about anything specific about the Clippers and Kawhi. He just yeah. How's about Kawhi, Kawhi going to fit with your team once he's there? Like that's okay. That's tampering, you know, at that point. But just answering a question about they're, the greatness of the player is the, the silliest now. thing you can do. They're cracking down on the hard. Can't now, stand though. it. I get it. All right, coming up next, let's switch gears a little bit to the NFL. Rashad has some beef with voluntary workouts. Don't like them. That's next here on the fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. To me, this is hearkening back to the days of our very short-lived Rashad rant segment. <laughs> we did this. Those. We did this like for maybe a month or two straight. And every every show at 10, we would let Rashad rant about something that was frustrating him. And it turned out that he didn't have a lot of things that frustrated him, so I really I like, don't. I'm I was like, like, "What do you have to rant about?" He goes, "I don't know, dude." I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty easy and go- easy going. I don't really have a lot to like complain about a lot of the time, you know. So you I are don't know. very very chill. Yeah. I'm very very chill. Like I'm really you met not... your son for the first time this week. That was nice. Yeah, man. Like he wanted to see uh, my radio station that he's uh, never been to. So I think the last time you might have saw him, he was a he was a baby. Like we were doing. I don't think I've ever hunt seen for him. the host. Oh yeah, it was it was hunt for the host. Oh well, and, then maybe I did. Yeah, yeah. he was um, what three, and then you know two or three. So he was very shy. He's a very shy kid. You know, <laughs> up until you get to know him, and then he'll try to you know. Then he'll never stop talking. John Cena on you. Yeah, oh, okay. and he'll just continue. Wait, to, he'll vanish. Yes, you know what I mean. No, he won't at all. He'll try to wrestle you. You know what I'm saying and. Take you to the ground, submission holds, arm bars, you know, all that thing, all that stuff. Um, so, but this kind of harkens back to the Rashad Rance days because you came in and you were like, you were kind of actually hot about this. And I was like, well, I, don't, I didn't even see the story. I didn't know what you were talking about. So I will let you be the one to describe what has uh, got the bee in your bonnet today. I wasn't necessarily hot. It was just, it's so dumb. Like, so if, if there's no, if you listen to the show, especially during football season, football Sundays, uh, get all your you know fantasy questions answered by us. You know that I'm I'm a fan of Odell Beckham Jr. the football player. I think he's awesome. I think he's fun. Uh, I think he's what the game you know is. You know it's entertaining. He's entertainment. And at the end of the day, uh, there are very few people that can entertain you as well on the football field as Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, was obviously traded to the Browns. Everybody knows the story. They had a new coach. It's Freddie Kitchens. Um, he shows up the first couple days of voluntary minicamp. Keyword. Voluntary. That means 
uh, at your own will, you know, at your own discretion, you know, if you if if you feel like doing that. But you is know? voluntary ever really voluntary? And that's my that's my issue right there is because these are voluntary workouts that he's attended a couple of them, but he's decided to not go to the rest of them because he wants to work out on his own. Me personally, I don't have a problem with that. Why? These are voluntary workouts. If the fan, or excuse, yeah, if the fan has a voluntary office party and says, "Yeah, man, we, you know, come if you want," not mandatory, you know, maybe you'll, maybe you'll come, maybe you don't want to, and then I get there and then I don't come, and then let's say the the big guy Jeff or or Rop or one of somebody comes, like, man, yeah, you definitely want to be at the voluntary, you know, party, like. Who misses that? Why would you miss that type thing? It's like, man, because it's voluntary, I don't have to go. Now, if you call it mandatory, guess what? I show up. I do my job. I do all that stuff. But the fact that you call these voluntary workouts and then you get upset when somebody doesn't show up, uh, I, I think it's Bush League. I think you threw – I think uh, Freddie Kitchens threw his, uh, his player under the bus as soon as he got there, especially coming off a situation to where all his team ever did to him was throw him under the bus. You can't tell me Odell Beckham Jr. was the issue with the New York Giants. Now, did he make it easy on the Giants at all the time? No. No, but with, considering everything that goes that's going on uh, with that organization, he's the issue? The one person that performs for you every time is on the field, he's the issue? Uh, I don't really think so. However, I think receivers are always the scapegoat for, you know, for team land. Look at T.O. It's clearly his fault that the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, didn't do whatever they were supposed to do or the Cowboys didn't do what they were supposed to do. Look at Randy Moss. Clearly his fault. Uh, that Oakland was a mess when they were a mess, and that tennis—I think it was Tennessee that he played for. Vikings. Was the, uh, no, even before, after that, like I want to say he went to. No, oh. it went back to the Vikings. Yeah, he went back. Yeah. To the, like, the Vikings are a mess because of Randy Moss. Like I think receivers, because of their uh, willingness to, you know, say what they want or speak their minds, they're often the scapegoat. And I think right now, man, Freddie Kitchens did a. Uh, and that's that's not cool. Don't throw your best well, player. And really, already hasn't played a, a down for you, but you know he's your best player. Let's not do that. Well, again, this is going to be a little bit of devil's advocate because I agree with you. I don't want to just sit here and be like, yep, you're right. I agree. Uh, voluntary is voluntary for a reason. But in the NFL, as I kind of teased or hinted at, voluntary is not always voluntary. No. You have these voluntary workouts, but there's an expectation that most players are showing up to that. Because there's an expectation that because you're a professional player, you want to get better with the team. You want to join the team and do things together and all that kind of stuff. Now, some players who are maybe hurt, recovering from injuries, don't have to show up because they're out doing this or that or whatever. But it's voluntary in a kind of like fake sense of the word voluntary. It, it You can't get in trouble for doing it, but you can be looked down on for not showing up to a voluntary. Whereas a mandatory, you get in trouble for not showing up to those. Um but I think Freddie Kitchens, who's now in his first year as head coach, maybe A, is this type of personality where he is more of a hard ass and wants you to kind of know that early on or wants Beckham to know that early on. But B, I think he's also just trying to take some control, right? Look, this this guy has has a history of being a bit troublesome where he's not the reason the Giants were bad, but you're right, he didn't make it easy on them. He's had a history of... You know, maybe not being a bad guy, but playing outside the rules a little bit. Just being on the outside, the wrong side of that line of doing things slightly not the way that people in the NFL want things done. Maybe he's saying, look, I want to try to nip this in the bud first year with the team. 
Plus, I want to say I'm I'm a brand new head coach. Look at me. I'm I'm going to be able to do this. It's weird. Probably the wrong time to do it because it's voluntary workouts. He said he's going to be there in the third, which is tomorrow. So he's only going to miss a couple of voluntary workouts. I don't I don't really see many issues moving forward. No, I just it, I agree with you. I do. Yeah, I, I just I just think it's you know when you know where your star player is. There's no way you didn't call Odell after the second day of his practice, like, hey, man, I haven't seen you. Just checking on you, just making sure you're okay. Like, what's going on? Oh, man, I'm working out by myself. Me and, you know, Alex Guerrero or whoever he's working out with. We're, we're doing our own thing, you know, and I'll be there on the third. Like, I'm pretty sure he knew that. Like, this is, you know, if Baker Mayfield or Jarvis Landry or Njoku, any of these guys decide to miss camp, I'm almost for certain that the head coach, one of his assistants is calling and saying, hey, man, you, are you good? Like, we ain't see you here today. Oh yeah, man. I'm decided decided to work out, and I'm doing some other things. I'm in LA. I'll be there on the third. Like you know where your player is. So for, to come out in the media, in the media, instead of saying, "Yeah, well, you know, he's working out in the zone. He's working out some things and trying to get his body right." You know, especially after not playing for the second half of the season. You know, now he's okay. All great answers. What was your answer? How much? Oh yeah, he missed a lot. He missed the offense. Like what? That's what you said, head coach. That's like, why. That's why this, I'm saying he's trying to as a first-year head coach, put his foot down and, and create an expectation of who he's going to be yeah, and as I, a coach. And I think that's – and if that's what he did, that's the, this, this the wrong way to start. If this is what you're going to do as a head coach is put things out in the media. If you haven't learned anything from your rival or your something like rival in, in, your, in your division, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, stop putting stuff in the media. Stop talking. Let's talk in, internally and figure this out. But you putting things in the media paints a terrible picture of everything else. That's why all of a sudden Big Ben is coming out and apologizing. Well, yeah, I guess I shouldn't have said that about, you know, Brown, which is complete BS. He knew what he was doing. This is just to trying to look like a good guy now. Well, I just shouldn't have said that at that point. Yeah, stop going to the media and talking. Now Freddie Kitchens can see exactly what type of S-storm this is going to bring, bring for his team. Well, the only other thought I had on this is quite simply – this is being blown out of proportion a little bit, and they did talk, and he was asked about it in the media, and he gave an answer that was honest. He missed some offensive stuff, but behind the scenes, they talked, and he goes, oh, I'll be there on the third, and it's fine, and everything's good. Um, remember last year, Kitchens was the interim, and the team loved him, loved him. So maybe this is just a little bit of a blip on the radar, and it'll all be good from there. I mean, they, they hired from within when you had a lot of good candidates out there because the team really loved Freddie Kitchens when he took over for Hugh Jackson last year. So maybe maybe this is just something that seems insignificant but is being blown out of proportion by the media, which has happened in the it's, past as It's well. very, very possible. But either way, if you are Freddie Kitchens, this isn't the way I would want to start. You know, you're, you're 10 years a head coach because this could go a couple different ways, one of which is your, you know, your star stud receiver – you know, kind of turning on you and not wanting to play for you or not giving us all. Now, I don't think Odell Beckham would do that because I think at the end of the day he wants to get paid, but you run the risk of really alienating some of your best players. Let's break. Coming up next, it is time for Hate It or Love It. Rashad's on like a five week winning streak or something crazy like that. It's so. it's been three. It's been it's been a good it's been it's a good been month. Three? Yeah, it all was right. a good month. Well, we'll see if I can bounce back from my losses next. But first, Jesse S. Sports Center. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 
That music means it is time for Hate It or Love It. All right, Jesse, what do you got today? Uh, let's here bring up the Hate It or Love It page here real fast so we can give you guys all sorts of points today. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, well, I guess uh, who wants to start in the NFL since we've been talking so much baseball? Well, and in NBA a little bit, too. Yeah, yeah we'll start in NFL. Mean, yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, we'll start in the NFL. All right. Uh, so let's go to Baltimore. Baltimore's uh, owner, Steve Biscotti, said Lamar Jackson will run less this upcoming season. Now, we all know last year when Lamar Jackson came in, Baltimore um, kind of went on a nice little run of wins, uh, partially because of all the running behind Lamar Jackson, not necessarily behind the passing. Love or hate, Baltimore will fail to live up to this claim. Oh, uh, I'm going to say love because Lamar Jackson can't throw the football. Well, (laughs) he needs to run to be successful. He ran, which is what made the Ravens good last year because it was different. Now, I don't think that's a good thing either. I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to live up to his own personal hype because of the fact that he really just doesn't throw the football very well. He's very inaccurate down the field. He can't throw the ball down the field. So he relies on his legs, which are very good. And that was his biggest strength at Louisville when he was quarterback there was his ability to run. I I remember him going for 60, 70 yards at a time when he was running in college. But the NFL is smart. And it will learn. It was a small sample size in the middle of a season when teams have less time to prepare for something different. And now that they know that the Ravens are going to have a running quarterback, teams will be able to prepare more effectively for it and stop him more effectively. And as long as he continues to struggle throwing the football, they're not going to be able to let him throw as much because he's just not that good. So. Um, I'm loving that he'll that they run, will not throw more and Run less? Basically, they claim that he will run less this season, throw more, and we're love or hating the fact that they will not live up to this claim. Um, so he will continue to run, or he will not run. Um, uh, love or hate. Uh, I guess I'll. Jeez, I don't know. Um, I love it. Um, I think as a, as a quarterback, he's he's going to. Hopefully, the, the plan is for him to improve. Last year, he was 99 for 170 uh, attempts uh, throwing the ball. Uh, he had a, you know, 84% quarterback rating, which isn't awesome. But I think that's something he can work on. To be honest, he comes from a very vanilla offense. You know, uh, the one thing that uh, Harbaugh is not is his brother. And so, as far as coming up with really big, innovative uh, plays on offense, I don't really know if Lamar Jackson has got an opportunity uh, to have any of those. So we've seen him make some plays with his arm. We haven't seen him make as many as people think he should. But I think now that he's in a situation where he knows that Joe Flacco is not looking uh, or not breathing down his neck as far as uh, getting some starting minutes, I think you'll see a much more relaxed uh, Lamar Jackson. You're looking at a guy that in his last four games threw four touchdowns and didn't throw an interception. So and that includes and that includes two touchdowns against uh, Kansas City. Uh, with no, you know, interceptions there. And, uh, you know, so he's he's shown that some flashes that he could be a good quarterback. And I just think it's a matter of him being calm, being protected by his offensive line and for the offensive coordinator and uh, John Harbaugh to or, uh, to come up with some something that's going to allow Lamar Jackson to show exactly how good he is. All right. Uh, moving along, we'll stick in the realm of, I don't know, I guess we'll just, this is, uh, I don't Go necessarily NFL. think, um, football only thing. The SEC 
um, this week uh, made a decision to allow alcohol beverages All right. inside their stadiums. Now, as Make we know, America great again, bro. Like, you go down to a, a game at Autzen, you have to leave the stadium and go to the beer garden if you want to drink at halftime, and then you got to go back to the stadium, and it's very hard they to... They changed that this year. Oh, did they? All they right. Put, they put alcohol in the stadium and didn't let people leave at halftime anymore because all the beer was inside. Well, okay, so... It's new, though. Yeah. New. New thing. Um, well, SEC making a similar rule, now bringing the alcohol inside the stadiums. Love or hate, the SEC made a poor decision lifting the alcohol ban in the stadiums. This is so... I'm going to say hate. This is so weird to me that, that colleges still did this. I didn't even know because when I went to school at Syracuse, alcohol was in the stadium. It was just what was there when we went to school, and there were never really any issues for it. If there's no alcohol in the stadium, the kids are sneaking alcohol into the stadium. Do you know how many water bottles filled with vodka we brought into the carrier dome? A ton. An absolute ton. Did you hear that, Mr. and Mrs. Lynch? Just saying. So it's not like the kids weren't drinking anyway, or they were pre-gaming and they were slosh drunk by the time the game started. So you might as well make more money for your school. And, by the way, there are adults, not just kids who go to the games, too, who would like to have a beer or two when they're going. Now, I understand maybe a little bit of hesitation because in SEC land, there's a ton of uh, fans that go, and there's a little bit more heated rivalries there. But fans are drunk anyway. It's not going to change anything. Just make more money for your school and, and move on. I've never real, I never understood why that was such a sticking point for some of these teams. Do you know why it's such a sticking point for some of these teams? Because professional teams full of grown-ups uh, – there are often fights after games, after Raider games, after Seahawks games, after Cardinals games. These are some of the teams that they go in for uh, with other fans oftentimes. So now you're talking about giving alcohol to a bunch of 19, 20-year-old kids because they are going to get it at the stadium. One of the homies is going to go get their ID and get four beers and give them one. Again, people are sneaking in their own Burnett's or whatever you sneak into to the uh, college games and everything. But I do think there should be some type of responsibility because we are still talking about students and some of which half of the students are still 18 and 19, uh, 18, 19 and 20. So you have to understand that there is still some liability there at, at a point. Like I totally understand having fun. And like, again, like you said, Lynch, they are going to let them in, but I think, you're asking for trouble at some points when you're talking about alcohol. At least nobody's held liable when a fight happens outside of the arena because of or out of the stadium because of alcohol happens inside. You're looking at a lot more, you know, a, possibly uh, a whole different can of worms. I'm just dishing points out left and right today. I hear them. Lots of points. Lots of points going into the final round. Honestly, it's a pretty big lead. Mike Lynch. Yeah, I saw you were pretty liberal with, uh, with the with the sound over there for him, but it's okay. Lots of points being dished out. Lots of points being dished out. Um, let's see here. We'll go back to the NBA. Um, some interesting storylines coming out there. Let's uh, uh, let's go to Houston now. Uh, Isaac Rop's been talking about Houston so much better, better for years to come. Yeah, they're going to be Golden State Warriors. Then all of a sudden we we get the reports that uh, nope, uh, everybody's possibly on the trading block, including uh, former NBA MVP in the beard. Love or hate. Houston will be without one of their all-stars next season. Oh, God. Um, I'm going to say love because Daryl Morey does crazy things as a GM. And he 
I don't think it's necessarily crazy to trade a guy like Chris Paul. I think he's on a terrible contract and he's not very good anymore. It's going to be hard to trade a guy like Chris Paul because of his contract. But Daryl Morey does things that just surprise the hell out of everybody in the NBA. He's a GM who gets things done. He's aggressive. He's everything I think Blazer fans want Neil O'Shea to be. <laughs> he, he, does, he does that move that you think, oh, well, maybe this won't work out. Turns out to be the right move. The Rockets are a very good team. Isaac has talked about how great they are and all that kind of stuff, but they are. They're a very good team. They have some flaws, clearly. The way they lost to the Warriors this year was not ideal for them. They also met in a round that wasn't ideal for them because of their four seed. But, I mean, you've still got one of the best players in the league on your team in James Harden. They said he's available for trade. That's not happening. He's not going to get traded. Um, I think they're going to try and trade Chris Paul. I think Clint Capella might be on the block because they want to get better quickly. They want to do the warrior path. They want to try to do what the Clippers are going to do this offseason or what the Lakers are going to try to do and have uh, room and money for max players to go join that team because they realize that as long as the Warriors are the Warriors, they got to do something crazy to stay up there, and I think they'll do it. Daryl Morey is that GM. Um, hate. Oh, I'm hating that. I haven't been Houston will be without one of their stars next season. Love or hate? Hate. Um... Unfortunately, Chris Paul's contract is just too big. He has three years left on it, a little over 100-some-odd million you know, on said contract. So I, I, you'd have to find a team that'd be willing to do that. If there's any team that's willing to do it, it would probably be the Lakers. But the Lakers, are, you know, they'd have to give up assets, Lonzo, Ingram, or uh, Kuzma, or probably all three to be able to get Chris Paul. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily see that happen. I definitely don't see any scenario where they trade the guy that's been the most efficient offensive player that the NBA has ever had in James Harden. Say what you will about him. Uh, in his uh, last outing against the Warriors, he shot uh, 45% from the field, 39% from three, averaged 37 points and like six rebounds. Like he did everything he was supposed to do. You don't find a lot of players like James Harden. What they need to do is figure out a way to get another max guy there. As good as Clint Capella is, Clint Capella can't score if James Harden or Chris Paul can't get him the ball. And you look at Golden State, you've got three stars. You look at Portland, you've got a po- possibly three stars with the emerging uh, Nurkic. All the, t- all the teams in the Western Conference, for the most part, have three guys except for Houston. And Houston needs to figure out a way to get that third guy in there because if it's not Capella, it's not the other guy. So they're going to have to get a superstar type player if they plan to compete with Golden State. Ah, uh, yes, the other guy. Yeah, right? Chris Paul. <laughs> yeah, that other dude. It's pretty good. We actually got done kind of on time. Yeah. Oh, was that three? Yeah. Okay. Uh, that was three of them. Uh, the music still has time in it. It's 10.43, which is right around the time to break. We are good. Today has been a weird day. We've been kind of running on time. It's been strange. Um, with that said, our winner today, um, Mike Lynch. Rashad had a nice little comeback, came within a point there at the end. But no, uh, not quite enough. Three very good. Point you had a three-point lead. Yeah, yeah, very, very good. Touche. I felt very safe. When you said I had a big lead, I was like, I can just kind of have a, a regular round. See? It's hard to make it going. For, I was going for that Golden State third-quarter comeback, it's man. It's hard to come back from a three-point deficit in this yeah. game. Yeah. It is. All right, well, coming up next, we'll wrap up the show on The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. One final segment to go here on Sports Sunday. Thanks so much for listening, guys. If you want to find the podcast afterwards, if you missed any of the show, 
We talked some MLB to PDX, some Timbers, and a little NBA Finals in the first hour. <laughs> and then we talked NBA Finals, voluntary workouts, Odo Beckham Jr., and had hated or love it this hour. We'll talk a little Rockets here as well. Um, text line is Better You Today, text line at 55305. And then our social media is I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Rashad's at TaylorMade503. Jess is at Jesse Osmond, A-S-Z-M-A-N. So the Rockets thing is interesting, and I actually forgot that that happened this week. So thank you for bringing it up and handing it to love it, Jesse. The, uh, the curious thing for me is the Warriors, at the end of this year, could no longer be the Warriors that we know. Kevin Durant looks gone, right? Whatever team he chooses, he's out. Clay Thompson's a free agent. He might resign. Or he might go be max player number one or two on the Clippers or whatever the case, whatever team is interested in him. If he wants to have more of a starring role, not be next to Curry the entire time. And then all of a sudden, the Warriors are no longer the best team in the West or most likely no longer the best team in the West. So if you're the Rockets and you're looking at that possibility, and yes, although you did lose to them last two years, if they're no longer as good and you stay the same, Aren't the Rockets the best team in the West? Or is it actually the Nuggets or the Blazers? Or anybody else, honestly, or the Clippers? Maybe the Clippers will elevate themselves to be the best team. I, I think it gives you a lot to, to think about, you know, because uh, through history, Chris Paul has owned Damian Lillard. Uh, as of late, that hasn't been the case. You know, Dame has figured out a way to counteract that. It only took about six years, but he's had a point to where uh, he's starting to get the better end of some of those battles. So Portland could very well be that team. And then you got the emergence of Nurkic, like we said, that could be the next big three in the Western Conference. We don't know what's going to happen with KD. I think his injury, if his injury is deeper than we think it is, I think he's staying in Golden State. But if he's going to be fine and, you know, some team is willing to take a gamble, KD's going to be gone. I don't think Steph is going to, excuse me, Clay is going to leave, but I think Clay would love the opportunity to, he's going to be a four-time champion if they actually go ahead and win and beat Toronto during the series. I, th- I could see Clay, you know, going to greener pastures and just saying, man, I want to be the star of my own team. So, yeah, it's a little weird that they, they're talking about breaking it up. But I think I don't know if it's necessarily blowing it up or trying to retool, because now you've seen it's been about three seasons with the same lineup and you just still haven't been able to to get over the Golden State hump. So what is it going to be for you? And I think it's getting rid of, you know, one of your quote unquote prime assets, you know, whether it's Eric Gordon or whether it's um Clint Capella or somebody else to make something happen, but who who do you get for that? And I think that's the thing. If you give up one of those guys, then hopefully you're getting some pretty good return. I was just telling you during the break, I think a guy like Bradley Beal would be a perfect fit for a team like Houston. You know, sir, for a team that likes to shoot the ball, he's a great shooter, he's a great playmaker, and he's able uh, to get his own shot whenever he needs it. So that can be somebody that can take the pressure. You know, Chris Paul, while he can score, that's not his. That's not what he does best well, you know he's always I mean? hurt now too. exactly and so if you get a guy like bradley bill who's been kind of dinged up but i think it's more so because he's had to do so much work with john wall being hurt as much as he's been so a guy like that could really change you know the way we see houston moving forward you know i think a guy like jimmy butler but again jimmy butler comes with a bunch of baggage do you really want all the baggage that jimmy buckets comes with so um i think there's a lot to consider in houston like i think there's a lot to consider in portland now luckily houston has a few more assets and a, a little more money to work with than Portland does, but uh, if they're smart, I think they'll make a move somewhere because what they have now currently doesn't. The only other thought, too, is Bradley Beal does sound good, but the problem is is Mike D'Antoni is now a lame duck. 
because they yes. said, or he said he's no longer going to sign an extension with them, but he they will finish his them. last year. Bradley Beal will fit the D'Antoni offense great, but you have to also start to make moves on the type of style you'd like to run with whatever new head coach comes in. If you want to keep it the same, then great. That You're right. That kind of a guy does fit, although I'm not sure the Wizards would trade Bradley Beal for Capella or Gordon. I don't, I don't know if that helps them either, um, but you got you to think about that as well. What do the Rockets want to become? If D'Antoni leaves, then all of a sudden that entire identity is likely gone. Yeah. You, you mentioned it in the break. You said D'Antoni has been the head coach of two of the greatest or the two greatest winless teams, the Suns and this, or I guess probably last year's Rockets team were amazing, but they didn't win the finals or in one case didn't even get to the finals. So it, he's a great coach, but once the playoffs hit, they kind of stink. No, and you so know, that I, also is a thing to think. And about. I think for a while they did lowball ball D'Antoni. I think it's important that you have to be able to change with time. You know, I think the Warriors pretty much mastered what D'Antoni was trying to uh, trying to do. But mind you, who was the Warriors GM when D'Antoni was, you know, pretty much running through the NBA with that offense? Do you remember? Who was the GM? Yeah, it was Steve Kerr. <laughs> he was Steve, the GM? He was, yes, he was the GM of the Phoenix Suns when Phoenix Suns were really? had, yes, when they had Steve Nash and they were running through the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like, Steve Kerr was was that guy at that point. So basically, they just, they just took that offense and added a defensive component to it, and what do you know? Now it's unstoppable. So run the ball, try to score as fast as possible, swing, 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 shoot, then get back and play defense. Like, that's essentially what the offense was, and now they just added that defensive component, and now Steve Kerr looks like the greatest coach of all time. The NBA has always been a league where there's only so many teams that truly have a chance to win it all. But the thought that the Warriors might be broken up is very exciting because it means that it's kind of wide open for an offseason. Now, again, because the NBA is the way it is, the Clippers might become a super team like like that. Like a, in the snap of a finger, you get Kawhi Leonard, you get Klay Thompson, all of a sudden. Oh, like Thanos. You know? Yeah, you're done. Absolutely. Um, and all of a sudden, they're the best team. And it's, it all starts over again with new contracts. And you've got five or six more years of one team being that good. Um, but it kind of leaves that wild, wild west, no pun intended, feel of anybody could then take that mantle. And that's exciting. And I hope in some sense that the Warriors do break up just for that feeling of oh, what's going to be the new look West now? Well, you see the, the how different and how exciting the East is since LeBron left. Yep. He left and all of a sudden Kawhi Leonard emerged as the top guy in the East. Man, we saw Giannis is arguably or probably going to end up with the MVP trophy. Man, Blake Griffin became an all NBAer again, you know? So all of a sudden the East opened all the way back up and things can happen. And LeBron Orlando went to the West the and made the West open up a little more because now you people are talking about the Lakers again and them possibly being good all of a sudden one more time. So well, that didn't happen. Yeah, it didn't happen this year, but I think people are, and they know it's they're a mess too. They know it's going to happen. They're a mess just because they're oh, that, that, that lady, that family, they have no idea. You know, Dr. Jerry Buss um, would be really disappointed in this team. Yeah, Jeannie Buss fired her brother and has not been the best. And she's listening to Kurt Rambis's wife word. Kurt Ram- number Kurt Rambis, the dude with the glog with the goggles. His wife is making the calling the shots for the Lakers right now. That let's 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 put that into perspective right now. That's why they're a mess right now. There's a lot of reasons they're a mess. Frank Vogel and then Magic hiring Johnson. Jason Kidd as your as your backup. Magic Johnson was the wrong pick. Uh Palinka was the wrong pick. See, I don't necessarily feel like Magic was wrong. I feel like 
Um, Magic left so he could make stupid, cryptic, easy tweets on Twitter. No, Magic left because Rob Palenka is a liar. And Rob Palenka, and he and he prays to put it out there. Did you hear the story Rob Palenka told about, man, about... Uh, He's a liar, yeah. Come on, man. Uh, that's supposed to be your boss. You know, they use Magic to do to do what Magic does, which is be the people person. Get in LeBron. The minute they had LeBron, it was like, uh, we got him for four years. We don't, we don't really need to talk to you about anything else. But they need to understand they got him because of LeBron. This is you coming to a to work for a company because you want to work with a specific manager or you want to work for somebody and then they, uh, yeah, I don't work there anymore. I quit. Then you'd feel some type of way. That's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Appreciate it. Rashad's out next week, so it's going to be me and Jesse. I might bring someone in. We'll we'll, we'll think about it during the week. Uh, we'll, we'll see if anyone's interested in coming in to do the show. But uh, we'll, we'll talk maybe some baseball next week because Rashad won't be here to roll his eyes when I bring up some hot baseball talk. The Yankees are in first. They they have like a nine game lead, and they're well, they're killing the, the the Red Sox. They have a nine and a half game lead on Boston. And they only have a two game lead on the Rays. But um, yeah, Yankees are in first. They do a whole Yankee show next week. No, I'm kidding. I'm you kidding. I'm sure the fans would love <laughs> I'm that. I'm sure they would love that. No, but we'll uh, we'll have a show next week. Me and Jesse, and maybe a guest host as well. That'll be coming up on Sunday, 9 till 11 a.m. Have a good trip to Los Angeles, sir. Appreciate you, Buck. And uh, we'll see you next week. Omaha! 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 This one's for Pat! T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.